0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 21. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: The scene is a four-engine jetliner. The pilot's voice comes on the intercom. Those of you on the left side of the plane have probably noticed that one of our engines have failed. Please do not be alarmed. We can still fly on three engines, but we'll probably arrive about 15 minutes late. Well, a few minutes later, the pilot's calm voice came on the intercom again. Those of you on the right side of the plane are probably aware that the second engine has failed. Please do not be alarmed. We can make it on two engines, though... We probably will be at least 30 minutes late now. Well, a few minutes later, the pilot spoke to the passengers yet again, and it has come to my attention that the third engine has failed. Please do not be alarmed. We can make it to the airport on only one engine. However, we'll be approximately 45 minutes late. One passenger turned to the other and said, boy, I hope that fourth engine doesn't fail or we'll be up here all night. (laughs) If you've been with us, you know, in Samuel, if you've been with us actually particularly since Samuel chapter 16, you know that David has been flying high on secure circumstances. Y'all like that? Flying high on secure. I've been doing this a minute, y'all. I know how to weave it in. Flying high on secure circumstances. Oh, whatever. Okay. Okay. As God called him to be king, you know that. And David stepped onto the battlefield and he killed Goliath and he energized the army of Israel. And so Israel loved David and Saul loved David at that time. The women liked David so much so that they wrote a song about him. They said, Saul has killed his thousands and David is ten thousands. Now, you know the story. Saul was jealous of David because Saul knew the hand of God was on David. In chapters 18 through 21, David begins to go through a period of what I like to call prep work, prep work by God. As God always prepares a vessel that he's going to use. God snatched all the earthly securities and human crutches away from David. God is stripping everything away, not because David sinned, but because God wants David to lean on him. Remember, David is king, but not the king that he's anointed to be. So God begins to take away all the human crutches. Were you with me last week? He lost his position in the king's army. He lost his wife. He lost his mentor, longtime counselor, Samuel. He lost his best friend, Jonathan. And tonight we're going to see he loses his self-respect. Whenever God is going to use a man, listen to me. Whenever God is going to use a man, he first prepares that man. God took Moses, you know, to the backside of the desert. God took John the Baptist to the wilderness. John the disciple, God took him alone to the island of Patmos. He took Daniel to Babylon, and here he brings David to the place of sanctified loneliness, where you hear, not last week, but the week before that, we talked about sanctified loneliness. And and if you missed that teaching, you might even want to go to our website. I, I I wrote a blog about sanctified loneliness. God will oftentimes pull us aside, pull you to a place. Are y'all listening? Pull you to a place where it's just you and God. This is the place where everything is quiet, no interruptions. This is a place that no man can go with you. No pastor can go with you. No church counselor can go with you. No friends can go with you. Every position, every comfort is taken away, so there's no interference, no opposition with the voice of God. And anything in competition with God's voice has to be silenced so he can speak. And remember, all David is going through and all that David's experiencing is David's path to the throne. Well, chapter 19, I want you to look at verse 9. Just go with me to chapter 19 really quickly and look at verse 9. Chapter 19, verse 9 tells us a distressing spirit from the Lord came upon Saul. And out of nowhere, Saul throws a javelin at David which was probably an indication that Saul didn't like him. Y'all say amen. I'd have a little indication if somebody threw a, so, uh, a javel at me that they didn't particularly care for me. David escapes. He goes to Ramah. He tells Samuel all that happened, chapter 20, David leaves Ramah and is on the run. Y'all come on, peruse with me. He leaves Ramah, he's on the run from Saul, and David can't figure out what he's done wrong to Saul. David's afraid to sit at dinner with Saul, fearing he might try and kill him. So Jonathan told David, I'll cover for you, and he found out to find out if his dad's trying to kill him. Look at verse 24 of chapter 20, David hid in the field, and he didn't come to dinner. Saul didn't say anything the first night, but verse 27, the next day at the dinner, David's seat was empty. You look at verse 27. Saul said to Jonathan, Where's the son of Jesse? David. And Jonathan began to kind of hem haw Uh, Dad, uh, he uh see, what had happened was he went asked for permission to go to his family's dinner because everybody was going to be there in Bethlehem and he hadn't seen his aunties in a while and he hadn't seen his uncles in a while and so he wanted to go to dinner and 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 Saul, look at verse 30, he goes off on Jonathan because he knows that's not the truth. And he goes off on Jonathan and he says, you son of a perverse woman. Now in English... <laughs> In English, I'm sure that reads something different, and we're going to leave that alone, okay? Verse 31, Saul tells Jonathan to go get David. I'm going to kill him. Verse 35, please look at verse 35. Y'all keep up with me tonight. Verse 35, Jonathan got up the next morning, went into the field with a boy. He shot three arrows, which was assigned to David to get out of here. Now, listen, I pointed this out last week, and I'm not sure you picked it up. But this boy, I'm confident, listen, that this boy who went out with Jonathan to shoot the three arrows to David so that David would know that his dad, Saul, was going to kill him, this boy did not know that those arrows that were flying was the arrows that was determining the outcome of human history. That's why I said last week you didn't pick it up. That boy did not know that those arrows were the outcome of human history because it's with those arrows that let David know to escape and spared his life. And this is the life and the lineage that Jesus, the Messiah, would come through, would come through the line of David. Are y'all getting that? You got that now? Well, David saw the arrows flying over his head, which meant that David didn't come back, that he shouldn't come back that his dad was that Jonathan's dad was going to kill him and in that day they knew this would be the last time they would see one another the bible tells us look at chapter 20 verse 41 the bible tells us that David wept louder than Jonathan david is now officially an outlaw and a fugitive well let's get to it i've titled this sermon shaken but not forsaken 1 Samuel, chapter 21, saints, we pick up in verse 1. If you're looking at verse 1, say amen. Amen. Uh, If you're looking at verse 1, say amen. 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 Now David came to Nob, to Ahimelech the priest. Underline that. To Ahimelech the priest. And Ahimelech was afraid when he met David, and he said to him, Why are you alone, and no one is with you? So David said to him, elect the priest, the king has ordered me on some business and said to me, do not let anyone know anything about the business on which I send you or what I have commanded you. And I have directed my young men to such and such a place. Now, therefore, what you have on hand, give me five loaves of bread in my hand or whatever else you can find. And the priest answered David and said, there's no common bread on hand. Underline that common bread. I'm going to explain this. There's no common bread on hand, but there is holy bread. If the young men have at least kept themselves from women, then David answered the priest and he said to him, truly, women have been kept from us about three days since it came out. And the vessels of the young men are holy. The vessels talking about their bodies. Right. And the bread is, in effect, common even though it was consecrated in the, in the vessel this day. So the priest gave him holy bread, for there was no bread but the show bread which they had taken from before the Lord in order to put hot bread in its place on the day when it was taken away. Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day detained before the Lord, and his name was Doeg. Looks like dog, but it's actually pronounced Doeg. And he is an Edomite, the chief of the herdsmen who belonged to Saul. And David said to Ahimelech, is there not here on hand a spear or a sword? For I have brought neither my sword nor weapons with me because the king's business required me to move quick. And so the priest said, the sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah. There it is, wrapped in cloth behind the ephod. If you will take that, take it. For there is no other except it that one except that one here, and David said, "There is none like it. Give it to me." Stop right there, saints. Give me your attention. I want you to back up just a bit to chapter 20 and verse 19. Look at chapter 20 in verse 19. David is out in the field hiding, waiting for the arrows to tell him if it's safe to come back or not. Is Saul wanting to kill him, or can he come back? Look at uh, verses 18 and 19 of chapter 20. Jonathan told David, wait three days at the stone of Ezel. Got your pen? The stone of Ezel means stone of destiny or the stone that shows the way. Stone of destiny or the stone that shows the way. Now, we didn't have time to talk about this last week very much, and I wanted to give it just a little bit of attention because... You know, every so many years, look at me, give me your attention, please. Every so many years uh, in the church, some different catchphrase comes blowing through the church. The Bible talks about like winds of doctrine. I call these more like catchphrases that that comes through the church. You know what I mean? Like uh, at one point, the church was talking about working the word. Remember, oh, you got to work the word. And for some of y'all, you don't know what I'm talking about. That's a good thing you don't know what I'm talking about. But many do. Uh, you have to work the word or uh, your breakthrough. There's a, people talking about your breakthrough. Oh, your breakthrough's coming. Your breakthrough's coming. And all these various little phrases come in the church. You know, it's your time, your breakthrough, work the word, all those kind of things. Well, today, people are talking about your destiny. Today, people are talking about your purpose. Am I right about it, Christians? They're talking about your destiny. They're talking about your purpose. You need to know your destiny, or you need to fulfill your destiny, or god got, you got know, a destiny for you, and you need to go get your destiny because you're destined for this, and you're destined for that, and God's got a purpose here, and, and your purpose is that. And there's so much destiny and purpose being talked about. And might I add, out of context, out of context, you know, can I share something with you? Listen. We don't have to concern ourselves with our destiny. And we don't have to concern ourselves with our purpose because God knows your destiny. God knows your destiny. And you already know your purpose. I'm going to preach in a minute when y'all, when y'all pray for me. You know your purpose, God knows your destiny. Your purpose is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. People go, well, oh, Pastor Rodney, I just don't know what I, I what I need to do and what I need, you know, where I need, what I need to be doing. Here, yeah, I know what you need to be doing. The Bible says you need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. The Bible says that you are to seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and everything else, including your destiny, will be added unto you. That's what the Bible says. God knows your destiny and you know your purpose. Your destiny, listen, is already scripted. Huh? Jeremiah 29 11 tells us, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of good and not evil, to give you a future and to give you a hope. Psalm 84 11 says, No good thing will he withhold from those who walk upright. You see, that's your destiny. It's already written for you. God's going to give you everything that you need. And God's got good thoughts towards you. Somebody need to put your pen down, clap your hands for the Lord, and say amen. And thank God. Here's a word for the day for you. Providence. Providence. If you've been around here at Calvary Chapel, you know I've explained this word to you before. Providence comes from two words in the Greek language. Uh, two words in the English language. Uh, pro- um, andentia. Pro meaning to see, and dentia meaning in advance. To see, the word providence means to see in advance. By the foreknowledge and the providence of God, God is supernaturally arranging and orchestrating every event in your life. You don't need to discover or apprehend or worry about your destiny. God knows your destiny. And in order for you to lay hold of your destiny, you need to do what David did, what David do what David do? David waited. Where? At the stone of Ezel. Jonathan told David, y'all ain't hearing me. Jonathan told David, go wait at the stone of Ezel. What you got to do to lay hold of your destiny? Nothing. And you know what? Doing nothing and waiting, that should be a spiritual gift. God is my living witness. Doing nothing and waiting should be a spiritual gift. My Christian's at, it's hard. It's hard to do nothing. It is hard to just wait on God. The Bible says, wait on the Lord and be of good courage. Wait, I say, on the Lord. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. Where y'all at? They shall walk and not faint. Waiting should be a spiritual gift. For you to lay hold of your destiny, you need to wait and trust. Psalm 37, four tells us to trust in the Lord and do good and feed on his faithfulness. Wait at the stone of Azel. That's what David did. The stone of Azel means the stone that shows the way. God will show you the way. Well, be that as it may, notice in verse one in our text, David, let's get to it. David came to Nob, Nob. Now David's life, listen, is going down one domino at a time here. This is the chapter where you say things can't get any worse. He's lying. He's fearful. He's a fugitive. He lost his best friend. You got to remember, David doesn't know the story. He hasn't read first and 2 Samuel. Say amen. Please tell me y'all knew that. He hadn't read 1 and 2 Samuel. He, he doesn't know the story. He, he doesn't know the outcome. He doesn't know things are going to get better. David is around 20 years old at this time. And think about when you were 20 years old. What did you know when you were 20 years old? Absolutely, I have that written on my notes and all caps bold, highlighted, underscore. When you were 20, you ain't know nothing. Listen, if you're here and you're 20, you think you're grown, you ain't grown, especially if you're living at home. (laughs) I'm grown, I'm grown. I'm grown. You ain't grown. Not if you, not, not if you living in my house and I'm paying a ledger bill and you ain't giving me no money toward these bills. You will do what I say, when I say, how I say it. Why? Because it's my house and you ain't grown. <laughs> what you know when you were 20? Nothing, honey. You ain't know nothing when you were 20. And David, is no different. Don't, don't remove, this is what people do, and this is why people can't come to the right understanding of what the scripture says. Don't remove these men and women in the Bible as if they're not real people. Because when you do that, well, then, you, then it's weirdness. And it's spooky. The Bible gets spooky, and the apostles get in stained glass windows in churches. And then whenever you see one of them, you go, Ooh. <laughs> they're holy and I'm not. When you remove them from scripture, don't do that. Do yourself a favor. When you read the Bible, read it just like you're reading a novel from today. David was just like anybody else. Saul Bitterness, jealousy, and all and just like everybody else. Jonathan, just like everybody else, a faithful, loyal, loving brother with David. They had a great relationship. These are normal people, and David is only 20 years old, and God has stripped everything away. God has stripped him down to nothing. At this point, like I said, his life is going down one domino at a time. And now God is requiring of him even yet more. Things are bad for David right now. He's at a low point in his life. This isn't the time to trust in man. This is the time when you have to start talking to yourself. What? Talking to yourself? Oh, absolutely. This is the time you need to start talking to yourself and begin to remember and tell yourself the promises of God. That's what you need to do. Like when things are really, 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 really bad. I'm so glad to be back on Wednesday night. I love Wednesday night. I love Samuel. When things are really, really, really bad, this is the time to to remember the promises of God. David, this is the time to think about Samuel whispered in your ear, you're the next king of Israel. God has anointed you. He told him that. This is the time to remember those things. Not start running and lying and being deceitful, because that's what we have here in chapter one, uh, chapter twenty-one. David is running and lying and being deceitful. Now's the time for David to remember, and now's the time for you to remember the promises of God. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. That's what you need to remember. No weapon formed against you shall probably all things work together for good to them that love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. Nothing shall separate me from the love of God. Lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age, being confident of this very thing, that he who begun a good work in you shall complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. David, remember, God told you, You're the next king. You got to start talking to yourself and remember what God has done. When things get bad, can two saints say amen? David does what many of us do when troubles come. We go seek counsel from the world, don't we? And sometimes uh, that counsel isn't very good. You go seek counsel from the world. Look at verse 1. David finds himself in Nob. Nob is about a mile and a half northeast of Jerusalem. If you've ever been with us to Israel, you, kinda, you can get a picture of that. A mile and a half northeast of Jerusalem. This is the city, listen, Nob is the city where the tabernacle was located in that day. Kirjath-Jerim is the city where the Ark of the Covenant was located in that day. The Ark of the Covenant and the tabernacle were in two different places at that time. Of course, where the tabernacle is, you're going to find priests. There are about 86 priests living in Nob, working at the tabernacle. One priest in particular is named Ahimelech. His name means my brother is king. Write that in your margin. My brother is king. The Bible tells us Ahimelech was afraid when he met David. Now get the scene. David shows up. Everybody knows David. He shows up looking weary and hungry and disheveled. And maybe his eyes are red from crying because he just left Jonathan and he knows he'll never see him again. David shows up, Ahimelech says, why are you alone? He's thinking, why would a prominent man like David be wandering around in villages by himself? And the Bible tells us he was afraid because he knew. Here's why. Listen, y'all listen. Here's why he was afraid. Because he knew he, Ahimelech, knew that if Saul is looking for David, David coming to the city of Nob is bringing drama to their city. Is bringing a problem to their city and they don't need that. So he asked, why are you alone? Why is no one with you? And did you note this? David makes up a story. Did y'all not pick that up? Look at verse two. David said, I'm on a mission from the king and I can't tell anybody. Now, before we go any further, listen, one of the reasons why I love the Bible, one of the many reasons why I love the Bible, and one of the reasons why I know the Bible is inspired by God, why I know is because the Bible is the only book that tells the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, whether it's good truth or bad truth. Nobody... Listen, nobody writes a novel